0: Welcome to Mormon Happy Hour. My name is Colleen Dietz. Join me and my guests each week for an entertaining recap of the hottest topics in Mormonism. We keep tabs on social media and headline news so you don't have to. Don't miss our live pro tips as you adjust to your new and exciting post Mormon life. Mormon Happy Hour is here to bring you the irreverent side of Mormonism wherever you may be. Hello, and welcome to episode 96. It's been a while. I <laughs> I miss you. And I'm so sorry that it's been a while. Well, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that. I have been very, very busy there. The holiday season's happened. We are throwing parties at my house which is super fun. You know, I'm just trying to be a good mom, which is sometimes really hard and and yeah and i'm also exploring and kind of fleshing out my what my dream career looks like that i'm ready to pursue this year. 2020, I am going to make shit happen. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm trying to figure out where a Mormon happy hour fits into that. And just know that this is a relationship that I I may have grown out of the Mormon aspect, but I have not outgrown you. I love you, and I want to keep, like, I maintain this because I, I just don't, I I don't want to break up. <laughs> so, and plus there are, I have dear friends that are still obviously affected by the, the LDS church, so that's what I continue to talk about, and that still means the world to me. So I am continuing a conversation today on the Policy of Silence. I had Blair Osler on in December. The episode was released on December 20th. It was episode 95. And we talked about her perspectives on the church's updates to Handbook 2 on its update to LGBTQ uh, The policy, remember the exclusion policy and how in April they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to reverse it. Well, finally, in December, they updated the handbook and it had this weird don't ask, don't tell verbiage. That I have my good friend Elena on today, Elena Thurston. you might remember her from my post Mormon love story in February. It's amazing. It's in the show notes. Click on it, listen to it. It's phenomenal. So she's here to talk about how the this uh, weird policy of silence is still continuing to affect her family. A total neglect to update or even address how this policy of exclusion and the handbook, children who want to serve missions, are still asked to disavow their same-sex attracted parent. And I'm using air quotes and all of the language of the church, so please please know that I would not be using those horrible phrases. Um, So anyway, she's here to talk about that. And I am so excited to dive more into this issue and bring attention to it because it is important. So please enjoy. And also while I have you here, a little bit of housekeeping, I do want to reach out and give a generous thank you to Cassie, who dropped me some donations to Mormon Happy Hour on Venmo? It's super easy. There's a click, you can just click on the link in every show note. And Cassie has done that a couple times now. So thank you so much, Cassie. And also, we have a new subscriber on Patreon, and I'm super thrilled about that. And she she left me a great message. So I'm really feeling it. I love it. I love hearing from you guys. I love the support. Um, Thank you so much for all of the continued support and for clicking and listening and being a part of the conversation. I really appreciate it. So without further ado, here is episode 96 with Elena Thurston. Welcome to Mormon Happy Hour. I am continuing the conversation about the the POS, which is also otherwise known as the Policy of Silence. And I have brought a very good friend of mine, Elena Thurston, who is making a career out of speaking out regarding the way the LDS Church um, conducts business with um, the LGBTQ members within its flock. And so she has some really passionate feels about this uh, policy of silence. And Elena, thank you so much for giving me a little bit of your crazy, hectic holiday time today.
1: I'm so glad that someone is making a point to bring this to the forefront for people. Like, I am all about this. Let's do it.
0: I knew you would be. Elena, will you (laughs) tell my listeners like a little bit about who you are? Absolutely.
1: So I am Elena Joy Thurston. I'm from Arizona. I was a member for 20 years, technically still am, and I am a mom of four children and I am very gay, (laughs) but I didn't realize that (laughs) until I was about 18 years into my temple marriage. Um, So I, uh, in desperation uh, to recover everything I was stood losing, I um, engaged in a controversial therapy called conversion therapy, not knowing that there was a 57% suicide rate with it. So I have been able to recover from that and consider myself a survivor of it. And so I would say I am definitely building a career on speaking out against conversion therapy and because the Mormon church is one that regardless of what they say, they do financially support it, um, mm-hmm. then the Mormon churches, is on my radar and one that I speak out against. As yeah. well yeah. as my four children are half the time taken to a, a Mormon church. And so I stay very aware of the policies and the barrage of change of policies that take place.
0: Yeah. And yeah, the. We- and the reason why you speak about the Mormon church is because that's your experience. And, and that's absolutely Correct. Yeah. yeah,
1: Right. When I gave my TED talk, I was very specific about trying to not drop any language that was Mormon specific concepts mm-hmm. like bishop, right? Things like mm-hmm. that. And, and what was amazing was after the talk, being in the lobby and talking to audience members, so many of them were like, oh, you were Baptist, weren't you? Or, oh, you were Catholic, weren't you? Oh, you were Pentecostal, weren't you? Everyone related my story to their upbringing. That's awesome. And they heard it and they saw it as their own spiritual framework. And that's when I realized, like, oh, this this problem is much bigger than just the Mormon church. But yes, my experience is from the Mormon church.
0: That's such an amazing experience. Like that's such a benefit from kind of like whitewashing the Mormon out of your prepared TED talk. Like that's a huge benefit that it it yes. allowed it to be easily applied to anyone with a similar yes. background, regardless of their religion. So they didn't have to be like, oh, that's Mormonism. That's not me. It can apply to right. anyone. That's great. Absolutely. So I'm going to throw a link to Elena's TED Talk because it is fantastic. And she presented her TED Talk in Colorado Springs, Colorado, which is a absolute hotbed of the nation for conversion therapy. So it was an incredible, bold, brave experience for her. And it was beautiful.
1: Oh, thank you. It was
0: crazy. It was (laughs) nice. <laughs> One of these days we'll have to catch up about just that. But right now we right. have a- <laughs> So I have updated my listeners a little bit in the 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 just prior to this episode. So hopefully they listen to that a little bit first so they have an idea of what we're gonna be talking about. But we're gonna explain things when we need to along the way as well. But Elena, there were some updates this week and then some revisions to those updates um, where they added like three little words that may or may not change the policy update. And I wanted to get your, your perspectives and your reactions and any cautionary things that you needed to, to say about all of this. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So the policy of silence, I love how you have called it the POS. Because <laughs> I, can't take, I can't take credit for it, but it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. And I hadn't heard it before, so I think that's great. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, as I read the, the ruling and the statement, it, it basically means we invite everyone to sacrament meeting as long as you're not expressing yourself. <laughs> Right. right. as long as there's no behavior or outside um, representation of something that anyone could consider distracting, right. right? Anything that might distract from the spirit of the meeting. So as with so many things in the church policies, it's completely up to interpretation. So you can have some words where it will be fine for a same-sex couple to attend that sacrament meeting, and you'll have some words where that's not okay for them to walk in holding hands or to for one to give the other a kiss, right? And yet it's completely okay. Can you even imagine a world where if heterosexual couples do that in the chapel, that a leadership would say that's not appropriate, you need to leave? Never. Mm-hmm. No, never. <laughs> no. Not ever, ever, ever. That's not within the realm of reality. Uh-uh. So that's, that's an interesting, that's an interesting dichotomy there. Um, as well as I think the other interesting dichotomy is what is said on one of the church's websites. I believe it's gayandmormon.com. So it's one of, or homosexual and Mormon. I'm not sure. So it's their website that if you type in, I'm gay and Mormon, like that's where, what comes up. Mm-hmm. And in there, says it's very important it's almost like someone else completely wrote it it's it's very much like a therapist wrote it like it's very healthy in fact it's needed to be able to express who you are in your faith community mm-hmm. in order for your faith community to love you and to embrace you right mm-hmm. how can i expect my bishop or my relief society president or my home teachers or my visiting teachers i know it's not called that anymore whatever it's called whatever. ministry um <laughs> Pick your words. Um, how can I expect them to love me if they don't know me? How can I expect them to know how I can serve in the ward if they don't know me? Mm-hmm. And someone might say, well, your sexuality has nothing to do with that. I'm sorry. It has a lot to do with that. It is yeah. part of me. It's not the part of me that you tolerate.
0: It needs to be a part of me that you value.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. 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 And it, 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 it's such like this dynamic that you were describing – like, if you have a secret that is something that is so fundamentally you, like, who you want to spend the rest of your life with, what what the gender of that person might possibly be, if you can't share that and you're holding that secret, like, sure, they may include you and treat you, you know, totally like a part of one of them, but you know deep down inside that they don't know you. And that's where the trauma is happening, is within, right? Absolutely. That Absolutely.
1: And how do you how do you develop a relationship with Christ, which is the point of the sacrament meeting, which is the point of sitting in the chapel, is to develop a relationship with Christ when you've shut down a part of yourself. Right. So what happens then is you're then fragmenting who you are, right? I'm this one person at church. I'm another person when I'm social. I'm another person when I'm at work. That's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think That there are parts of the Mormon Church, like that website, that that reinforces that concept. That that's not healthy. The healthy, the healthiest way to participate in religion and spirituality is as a whole person, Mm -hmm. right? So, how can I develop my relationship with Christ if
0: I'm not bringing my whole self to the table? Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, we can't be, we can't feel whole. Unless we are able to be vulnerable and we can't be vulnerable in an, in an environment where the handbook tells you, you can't stand out. You need to look, sound, and behave like everyone else. You, you can't have a different hair color. You can't sit by a same sex person and be affectionate with them. You can't talk about politics or the fact that you're a feminist or whatever else you want to talk about. Like nothing. 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 You, you have to deny who you are. You have to look the same, not only at church on Sunday, but all the time. Because if someone happens to see you outside of sacrament meeting and you aren't doing those things, then it's going to go back to your bishop. So this isn't just conformity within sacrament meeting, which is what it's stated.
1: No, I agree. Yeah. We
0: all know Mormon culture. You conform within sacrament meeting and you conform every second of every day. It is a high demand religion where everyone is watching you because it's a self-policing community.
1: Well, because we're taught, don't be a Sunday Mormon. Be a Mormon every day. You represent Christ. You represent the church every day. Mm -hmm. So what happens at church on Sunday is supposed to happen throughout the rest of your life. And by communicating a rule like that, um, to not express your sexuality, to not communicate your sexuality. What you are communicating is there is something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Therefore, there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And for me, that path leads down to, oh, there's something wrong with me. I, I better fix it. Mm-hmm. That means I can fix it, right? I can fix it and I can return to God, right? I can fix it and I can take the sacrament again, right? I can fix it and I can pray in public again, right? Because those were all the things that are taken away when you come out and you're a member of the church. So, and I know there's semantics there. It's only if you act on the same-sex attraction, which seriously, only the Mormons, like, pinpoint that, acting on same-sex attraction or suffering from same-sex attraction. Like, give me a break. You're gay. <laughs> like, however, you're queer. However you want to put that, right? So. Yes. So all of these, those things are taken away because something's wrong and you're not worthy of taking the sacrament. You're not worthy of going to the temple. And to me, that's a very dangerous, slippery path because what that leads to is who can fix me? Who, who, who can make me better? I will pay them money. I will pay them money because I'm trying to get back to heavenly father. I'm trying to get back to heaven. How can I get fixed? And that leads you to conversion therapy, and that leads you to a 57% suicide rate, which goes up to 68% if a a religious leader is the one supporting the person in the conversion therapy. When we feel like something is wrong with us, that's when we feel like, okay, well, how can I be fixed, right? And and in this case, it takes more than, quote unquote, repentance. It takes denying a huge part of who you are, which in 57% of cases, leads to suicide
0: that's heartbreaking
1: yeah i mean it's not a mystery anymore why the suicide rate is so high like we know we're communicating to a population that there's something wrong with them
0: so where do we go from here so the policy as it stands and the update it did, did you are you familiar with the the policy that came out and then a couple days later they revised it are you, you caught that right
1: i think so but let's be on the same page so tell me what okay. you're referring to
0: so let me pull it up now my my friend blair who i spoke to earlier she let's see she has a screenshot so it used to say it also precludes making political statements or speaking of sexual orientation or other personal characteristics and this is the part that they added three days later in a way unquote that detracts from the meetings focused on the savior. So it used to just say characteristics that detract from meetings. Now it says in a way. So like you can express all of these things, just do it in the right tone, in the right spirit, right? And, and that is by- I guess- uh, upholding our views on our LGBTQ friends, which is, you know, we, we all know, we all know what their opinions are.
1: It has to be because why would they say sexuality regardless, regard right? If they right. were not referring to the LGBTQ issues that they have created, there wouldn't have been no reason to put the words sexuality in there.
0: No. And it specifically says sexual orientation, Folks, let me just ah, clarify, sexualized. they don't mean heterosexuality. That is not a sexual orientation as defined by the Mormon church. That is just normal right. and, and God-approved and, and ordained and blah, blah, blah. Sexual orientation, a.k.a. anything other than heterosexuality, anything, right? Even, right. even asexuality right. is not something that's okay within the Mormon church
1: well, acting on it. I mean, I'm going to play devil's advocate because that's what you're going to have the TBMs doing. They're going to say, it's okay for you to be a lesbian. That's fine. We love you anyway, as long as you don't act on it.
0: And how asinine does that sound? Like, Even let's take asexuality, for example. You can be asexual. That's fine. But you can't act on it. I'm sorry. No, because you're supposed to procreate. Does that mean that I have to have non-consensual sexual activity with a spouse that I don't like in order? Is that what you're really telling me right now? That I can't act on my asexuality to be a member? It's a very good question. I mean, I know that's not what they mean, but if we take what they say and apply it to all orientations. Right. Yeah. So anyway, Mm -hmm. just thoughts.
1: Yeah. Interesting thoughts. And so immediately where I went to, because how this update was received was, oh, they took away those crazy rules that was really hard for everyone to deal with. You know, both mm-hmm. members and post-Mormons were saying, okay, well, regardless of how it went down, everyone agrees this is a step in the right direction, right? right. So everyone mm-hmm. is on board there. So, okay, great. This is a step in the right direction. But where my mind goes is, was the rule for prospective missionaries changed? Because I have a son who wants to leave on a mission as soon as he graduates in May. So was that rule changed? Because how the rule was worded before, and I have that brought up, and I'm just going to read it. It's um, in section 16.13. The heading is children of a parent living in a same gender relationship. A natural or adopted child of a parent living in a same-gender relationship, whether the couple is married or cohabitating, it says, may not receive a name and a blessing. But then the next, the rest of the page talks about prospective missionaries. They may not be baptized and confirmed, comma, ordained. Okay, so we know that was changed. Or recommended for missionary service only as follows. So then we, they, the mission president or the stake president has to request repro- approval from the office of the first presidency, and the child needs to accept and commit to living the teachings and doctrines of the church, and specifically disavows the practice of same-gender cohabitation in marriage. And then point two, that was point one, the devouring of the practice, disavowing of Practice and point two is the child is of legal age and does not live with a parent who has lived or currently lives in a same gender relationship. So, here I have a son who's with me part time and living in my home with me and my girlfriend, and I'm very concerned about whether he's going to be able to go on a mission. So, as I contact his leaders, <laughs> I was sitting in the bishop's office and saying, okay, how are we going to resolve this issue? He wants to go. I want to support him. You want him to go. So let's all be on the same page and get him to go. Where are we at with this issue? Right. And he says, I, I don't know. I need to talk to the stake president. And I'm like, dude, the handbook is on your phone, which is in your pocket. <laughs> Why mm-hmm. don't you take it out and let's read it? And he refused. Absolutely wow. not. I have to talk to my stake president. I'll get back to you. Two months later, after repeated texts, two months later he responded, I talked with the state president, everything's gonna be fine. Don't worry about it. That was his response. So since then, I've been trying to do my own research and I have found three different, very recent cases of kids who have submitted their papers to go on their mission. Their bishop and their stake president have put them through. Yes, this is going to be fine. Get out there on your mission. Papers get to Salt Lake, and they get a letter back from Salt Lake saying they've been excused from missionary service. So <gasps> three draw- cases of this. Yeah.
0: No.
1: Three. Yes, in the last two months, there. Oh, I wow. I have personally have found three cases of it. Right. So. So here I am looking at this policy that's come out, this new update, and I'm thinking, okay, tell me specifically that the missionaries are allowed to go. And I can't find it anywhere. I Mm -hmm. can't find it in the section. I can't find it in the update release that says which sections were updated. So I invite anyone, if anyone has proof that this policy has changed, I would love to see that. You email me, you DM me, (laughs) you do whatever (laughs) needs to happen. I want to see that in black and white, that Mormon kids who want to serve a mission, who want to pay for their own mission, that they can do it regardless of who their parents are.
0: Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. It's important. And and here we are, like – you are supporting your Mormon child. Like, we're not here trying to burn the burn everything down. We want things to no. work within the church for those who choose to stay within the church. We just need clarification. Absolutely. The rule needs to be addressed because it is not fair to these kids who want to be Mormon, who want that rite of passage, who want that experience to be denied because of a choice that is not even theirs. And, why are they being right. punished for something that their parents are doing? Like, don't we talk about that in the scriptures? Like, you know, the sins of the parents don't, get eh? the children and that's not. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. We're there a few times. Um, <sighs> and what's interesting is that my son and my ex-husband kind of justify it as it it creates a conflict of interest. Here's this child who says it's very important family is very important. Family is ordained of God. Family is between a man and a wife. God has told us that. And how is he supposed to preach that while also loving his mom? Well, my son has said he thinks he's capable of doing that. And other missionaries have said that they feel like they're capable of doing that. I honestly don't know how he would do it, but i will tell you what i have witnessed with my four children is that they love and have faith in a very different way than our generation interesting they integrate and synthesize information very different than we did at that at that age so this issue quote unquote of my sexuality is not an issue for my four children
0: right. except
1: when the church makes it an issue right
0: but but see That that begs the interpretation that all of this is really like all of these things that I'm saying like how dare they this and why can't they that it's a really very simple answer I feel like and that that answer is that they still have a policy of exclusion and they're still maintaining that members exclude and shun and distance themselves from their lgbtq family members because heaven forbid you 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 love one because then you'll learn to have compassion for one and we don't want that so just push 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 and this is a hard and fast policy of shunning like the the verbiage is disown is it not or disavow 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 Mm -hmm. that is a strong word
1: it's a very strong word, which very few people know the definition of. <laughs> so what everyone has definition? to look it up. <laughs> um, it's say, basically the uh, opposite of pledging allegiance to. It's saying, I have no loyalty towards that practice. How is it, that? And so, focused? so here, right? So here's my son saying, Well, I can do that. I can say those words. I don't mean to sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's saying, I can do that. I, I can say the words that they want me to say. Like, it's not going to change how I feel about you. Uh-huh. And then I have to think, honey, that's cognitive dissonance. Yeah. To say words that don't tie to how you feel is cognitive dissonance and it's dangerous for your mental health. It's traumatizing
0: to your brain and your psyche to yeah. hold two different to say one thing and believe another, like just, you can't, you can't helpfully. And, do that. and
1: and it's scary to think that like, he'll feel like this is another hoop to jump through to get on a mission, right? He's got to get his molars out. He's got to get his passport. He's got to disavow his mom, right? Like it's these <laughs> hoops to jump through. And so here he goes and does it, whatever that looks like, says those words to whatever stake president and bishop he has to say it to. And then 10 years from now, five years from now, 20 years from now, the rule isn't in there. Oh, look, revelation has changed. And this kid has that memory in his head of saying, mom, I don't love you that much. I only love you this much. How destructive. And I think that that's a problem that we have with the fact that these rules were put in place and then these rules were quote unquote repealed Because you have people who say, okay, I'm following the prophet, I'm supporting him, so I'm going to tell my family that they're apostate and I can't support you. The prophet says you're apostate. Oh, four years later the rule changed? Well, guess what? Those families have memories of those conversations, of you saying you're apostate. You know, we just because you change the rules doesn't change our experience. So if this rule changes, and I expect it will at some time, maybe my son had to do it, but definitely other people had to do it to get on their missions. And now they have that memory of that experience and their moms and their dads and their siblings have that memory of that experience. It's definitely not supporting the family. No, 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 no.
0: No. Because first and foremost is to support the church and to support the Mm -hmm. church, you must support church policy. We all know that growing up Mormon, they may say family first, but they certainly don't mean it—not in action. No,
1: because no, not when it comes to the church. I agree with you. Like they say family first, but as long as you're listening to God first, right? Like, isn't that the whole concept of of the marriage triangle, right? The husband right. and the wife and God. And so, if you put God first, I mean, that's taught a lot. Put God mm-hmm. before your spouse. Put God before your kids. Okay. Well, if we're putting God before everything. And here we have a prophet as the mouthpiece of God saying, your loved one is an apostate, even though it might kill you. If you want to get to heaven, you got to agree with that guy. That's being held hostage emotionally. Yeah.
0: And I feel like for some, like everyone's going to, every child is going to interpret this situation differently. Some of them are not going to at least present that they have issues with it. Like your son, he sounds very resilient. I can do this, mom. I'll do it. Yeah. It's no big deal. But then you don't know what, what the long-term consequences are going to be and get another kid who's not as, you know, um, comfortable with moving forward, who is having a lot of emotional struggle, who is very close to their LGBTQ parent and who is being forced to quote unquote disavow like everyone's going every child is going to react to this to being asked to do this differently Mm -hmm. and absolutely and and it's very and we can't just say well oh well I I know someone that they did that and they were fine well it doesn't matter because you can also know other people like we know the suicide and in 10
1: years they might not be fine That's right. I was just told last week by a woman that I met, she's a prominent social worker here in Arizona, and she heard about my conversion therapy experience. And as we parted, she said, Elena, just remember, you're only a survivor until you're a statistic. Preserve your mental health. Wow. Right. So- That, that was powerful for me. And so I know my mental health, I mean, I already knew, but it really solidified my mental health needs to be a priority. And my children's mental health is a priority for me. And tell me what therapist would say it's okay for a child to disavow their parent and how they live based on sexual orientation.
0: Right. Doesn't make sense. That's Um, not healthy. A therapist at LDS Family Services.
1: Yeah, true. (laughs) Or the many, many therapists who are basically employed by the church because the bishops pay all the bills. Mm -hmm. I can can point to a local therapy group of at least 10 practitioners where the majority of their income is coming from ward funds. Wow. And I'm sick of people not recognizing that. Yeah. So that's when I say that the church is a major supporter of conversion therapy. It's because they pay for it. Right. Your tithing pays for it. Right.
0: Yeah. I'll second you on that. I don't know if we're talking about the same particular clinic. There's probably more than one, but I, I know of oh, a yeah, clinic sure. that is staffed LDS and well, two now, cause I've been to one and I have a friend that works at another one and they are incredibly homophobic and, yes. and we've, and my friend and I have gotten in discussions about how she believes that mental illness is a disease. And so do all of the therapists that she works with, therefore it must be true. And I'm like, what? Mental how illness is this or happening? Homosexuality? homosexuality? Homosexuality is, is a mental disease. illness. Okay. Yes. And. and it, okay. And that it's a disease. It must be cured. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, how, 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 I don't understand. Being, a professional, you know, therapist myself. It it absolutely infuriates me that 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 type of therapy is being provided legitimately today. It oh well, legitimately
1: is loose, but it's being provided for pay. Yeah, people are paying money to get that that quote unquote therapy. Yeah, yeah. I've actually <laughs> I realized it's time for me to pursue the code of ethics complaint against one of my therapists because she is licensed so many of them are not licensed and so they don't have a code of ethics that they have to adhere to but this one is and she told me elena if you come out to your children you will destroy them i have so many clients that are adult children whose parents came out to them when they were kids and it has messed them up and that's why they're in therapy today If you come out to your kids, it will destroy them. And then as I left that day, she looked me in the eye and said, for the good of your children, you need to take this secret to your grave. And that was the first day I thought about suicide. How can you not? Yeah. How can you not think about suicide when a therapist you're paying $150 an hour tells you to take it to your grave? Wow.
0: I'm so sorry, Elena.
1: So, me too, but I've been very empowered to realize that there are there's a very clear line in the code of ethics, it's 4BA, I believe, um, where that's not allowed. And so nice. I get to report her and I get to shut her down a little bit. Probably well, she won't get her license revoked, but she'll get a year of watching observation. Like, yeah. The board will like, have to observe her for a year.
0: Like she's on probation, basically
1: right? And she's
0: prominent.
1: She's being supervised. That's what it is. And she is a prominent therapist in this area. I can't imagine how many people she's said that to. It's heartbreaking. It really is. So I agree. This policy of silence needs, people need to know this is not okay. This is this is not the '80s of don't do don't tell don't ask don't ask don't tell whatever it was, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. That someone tried to put into the military and it imploded, mm-hmm. and the suicide rate in the military skyrocketed. So, yes, let's try to learn from history and get better. Right? Maya Angelou says, "When you know better, you do better." Mm-hmm. We should know better.
0: So from a TBM perspective like I just wanted to look at these policy updates from like uh, an orthodox believing perspective from members they read mm-hmm. over this those who attend should avoid disruptions if they feel they have to have policies in place in a handbook to control their sacrament meetings and the behavior that goes on in sacrament meetings like I kind of don't even feel like that's really important to spend our time writing a policy book for how we behave in church. Like, can you name me another big church out there that has a policy about how you behave in their worship services? Absolutely not. However,
1: very few other churches allow the members to access the microphone and essentially access the audience as much as the Mormon church does, right? And that's a point of pride that we are teaching each other, That Mm -hmm. this is not one person knows all, (laughs) except on a macro level, but this is us teaching each other, right? And so I think, honestly, the church has had a massive outbreak of people coming out during their testimony or at the end of their talk, and the bishops are like, how do we handle this? (laughs) Because if we don't say anything, it looks like we're supporting them. Yeah. So we need something to rely on, so that we know how to move forward. Yeah.
0: Gosh, when you said that, like the Mormon congregation or the Mormon church is, you know, pretty unique in the the fact that their members have so much access to the mic, and that we teach each other. Like it just felt so Orwellian and so like, like it's like group think. It's like so cultish. Like a group think. It's just so much conformity so much uniformity so mu- like so little authenticity and vulnerability and that's what i really like when i walked away from the mormon church and i started a faith transition that was the one thing i missed and that was the hardest thing for me to obtain is authenticity and and finding out who i am because i had become so much like everyone else And and to me, that's what this policy is. Is like, you're all going to look the same. You're all going to think the same. And if you don't think the same, you're going to be goddamn quiet about it. Policy of silence. (laughs) You know?
1: Right. 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 I mean, what it's basically saying in both the policy of silence and in prospective missionaries with gay parents is shut that down. Mm -hmm. Shut that part of you down. Shut that part of you that loves your mom down. Shut that part of you that has a girlfriend, a boyfriend, right, or is really attracted to the Relief Society president. Shut that down. <laughs> Turn it off. <laughs> we Find all know it happens. <laughs> Turn it off. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's scary. That that's very scary. That that is what is being taught. Yeah. But it's not different. It's just phrased differently, right? It's yeah. not different than the exclusionary policy. It's just phrased differently.
0: Uh-huh. Well, Elena, I have taken a lot of your time and I am very grateful for it. Did you have any closing remarks before I bid you adieu to your family and holidays this today?
1: No, I think just one thing that I thought of, um, that I thought might flesh out the conversation is, so a local reporter heard about the exclusionary policy for prospective missionaries, and she Uh knew I have a son that's a senior. So she came over and interviewed my son with his dad's permission. He was very excited to do it. He knew the topic of the interview. It hasn't aired yet, and frankly, I don't know if she will include him in the interview because we were mostly just talking about the conversion therapy but mm-hmm. she asked him, how do you feel about this? Do you feel like it's unfair? The church doesn't have to pick me for me to, go on a, to, for me to do what I wanted to do on a mission, which is serve other people. That's the whole reason I want to go on a mission. And if I'm not on a formal mission, I can still serve other people. And so she was like, oh, okay. So if they don't let you go, like, are you going to go in the Peace Corps? Are you going to go for Teach for America? Like, what are you going to do for your service? And he was like, no, I'm probably just gonna go to college, I guess I'll have to serve people on the side. Whoa! (laughs) She was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) There was no way to get through to this kid, and I love him to death, and I tell it to his face, like there's no way to get through to you for you to see what's really happening here. We all have people that we love dearly, whether it's friends or family, that are stuck in a part of the faith transition, maybe it's right at the very beginning, where it's hurting them and we're watching them be in pain and there's nothing we can say or do that alleviates it. They're Mm -hmm. just, the the blinders are on and all we can do is love them through their pain. That's a universal feeling of just, I'm so sorry. I'm really Mm -hmm. sorry. And even though you don't know why I'm sad for you, right? You think your life is golden and on track. I see it from a different perspective, and I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, to your son's benefit, I think that response is going to be pretty much what you get from any LDS youth. Yes. We don't we don't really have like it's it's mission or bust. <laughs> There's no peace Corps. there's, there, there are no other options to go on a service mission. It's, it's a church sales force or bust. That's it.
1: Right. And I try to communicate that to like this reporter. I try to say, this is going to be a topic for the rest of his life, right? When he is dating, girls are going to say, oh, where'd you serve your mission? And he's going to have to say, I didn't go. And we all know what that infers, right? And then 10 years from now, when he's at an employer and they say, oh, you're Mormon, where'd you serve your mission? Because that's the only point of context they have. And he has to say, no, I didn't serve one, right? Right. It's in every ward conversation. Every time you move into a new ward, oh, where'd you serve your mission? Who do you know? Blah, blah, blah. He'll have to say, I didn't go. And whose fault was that? Well, it's either mine or the prophet's. Take your pick. Right? Yeah.
0: It's disgusting. Yeah. And he shouldn't have to choose between his religious leader, who he finds to be the mouthpiece of God on the earth, and his birth mother. He shouldn't have to make that choice. I don't think God would want him to make that choice. Absolutely not.
1: No. No. Whew. This is heavy. Mm. Yeah, heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. But you know what? What? I have a beautiful life. I have a beautiful, beautiful life, so it's all good. <laughs> it's I all good.
0: Oh <laughs> 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 Thank you, Colleen. Thank you, Alina, for sharing. I really appreciate your, your valuable experience and perspective. It's deep. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to feel valued. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely value you, and so do many <laughs> other people, Elena. I know that.
1: <laughs> I know that too
0: absolutely okay. hmm. <laughs> hmm. All right, will you get back to your holidays and tell your wonderful family hello, and I hope you can enjoy everything that everything that you have
1: awesome. I will. I spend every minute doing that. you too.
0: <laughs> Thank you. have a wonderful day. Thank you. wraps up today's topics. We are so glad you stopped by. Be sure to join the Mormon Happy Hour on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon. If you smiled, please drop us a five-star review wherever you found us. See you next week. Cheers!